Right, folks, welcome back to the Across the Pond MMA podcast with myself, Cameron Watson, and the most efficient time manager in not only... <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know how I'm going to do this every week. Not only Atlanta, but the entire state of Georgia, uh, Billy Johnson. We've been sitting here for, I'd say, what, 20 minutes. We've been formatting our top 10 favorite current UFC fighters lists that we will get to quite shortly. Um, but first, we are going to talk just briefly about what happened last week, Brunson versus Holland. And actually, before we delve into that, if you'd seen on the Across Pond MMA Instagram, you will know that collectively on the podcast, we are on a three-week KO streak. What was the first one? Yeah, Uros Medic was no. three weeks ago. Yep. Um, and then Billy called Matthew Semmelsberger two weeks ago. And then last week, um, we had Adrian Yanez and... You know, you, you may say, well, Cameron, you did pick Leonardo Santos as your pick of the week, but by, a, you know, by a majority decision, my closing remarks were Yanez by KO. Billy had picked Yanez by KO. That overrides my initial decision. I, I, I think also didn't, may have to go play back the tape, but I believe my two mentions were Yanez by knockout and then a Dawson win as well. You did pick a Dawson win. I do remember that. So that's, I, I, I don't, I don't want to point out correlation i don't want to point out trends i don't want to say anything here nor there all i want to point out is the facts i feel like billy is trying to insinuate that he is the best picker out of the two of us for the atp mma uh predictions but sure um we'll see in in due course with a a larger uh sample size I, i tried to be analytical you know i wanted to look at you know leonardo santos hadn't lost in 11 years and i wanted to be the guy that picked the uh the dog but i mean you can't sort of bet against the james christ boy uh, at the minute he said uh, i can't remember i said maybe two or three weeks ago james christ had cornered five or six weeks in a row and it just seems mm-hmm. to be every week he's there um so he's doing great things in kansas city and um, i'll be honest also, Billy, yeah, yeah also zero gone that was another prediction of mine smart man i don't know listen i think as you said at the start of last week's show you said uh, you need to start uh What's the word? Charging for these picks. And I, I think do. Peter Jan. <laughs> I mean, the list goes on and on and on. <laughs> Peter Jan via vicious KO. Um, as we said, just shame it was deemed illegal. Um, as I said, I didn't see a whole lot. I don't know. It's, it's a recurring theme the last couple of weeks. I haven't seen a whole lot of fights. Um, my favorite, um, I mentioned it to you before we started recording there, my favorite moment last week was Khabib sitting beside Dana and streaming the entire main event <laughs> um, as Dana has been talking nonstop since about January about, you know, we got one and all this, like just trying right. to, so that was quite a, a funny moment, just Khabib sitting there so blatantly with his phone upstream and to however many million of uh, in, followers he has. In, in Dana's defense, I don't know about you guys because you don't have to worry about finding the streams in the U.S. It has been a nightmare finding streams now. An oh, really? absolute nightmare. Like he did get one. And when he <laughs> said he got one, I, the, the other week it was the Aljamain and Pityam fight. I was getting back before the Makachev and Dober. And I was like, oh, no problem. I'll be able to just pop on a stream. I didn't see that entire fight. Barely mm-hmm. saw the next fight. And I ended up watching it off someone else recording it on Twitter. <laughs> so, yeah, the streams have gotten tough. I would have just bought the pay-per-view, but it was already there was two fights left. So I was like, yeah, not worth it. Three but then left. as a part-time MMA journalist, I suppose, Billy, these days, um, you know, you're obviously pulling up those streams for research purposes only. You know, uh, you, of course purchasing the paper business zone. expense <laughs> business expense to write off so um any any comments on brunson holland i personally didn't see it to be quite honest with you um, i did yeah i watched it and um that was one of the ones i was kind of locking in on because i've been a big kevin holland fan i think it was just a 100 grappling display kevin holland when they're on the feet as anyone would expect it, he was the quicker sharper striker um it was a wrestling match and you're always going to pick Brunson to win in a wrestling match. It really exposed kind of the hype train of Kevin Holland. And I'm still on board with it because I think he beats most people he stands with just like his style, but yeah, it's, it's going to have to be addressed that grappling because anyone at that top of the division, good luck from here on out when you've shown your weakness like that. Yeah. It did seem strange that, you know, he sort of the photos and the, the clips that I saw, 
um, via the Habib Namagamedov Instagram, uh, where sort of Kevin Holland just looking quite casual about the whole thing. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. seem overly concerned. And I sort of think that's the aura that he gives off, that he's very, mm-hmm. you know, chilled out and uh, likes to talk in the octagon. Obviously, he was asking Khabib for wrestling advice. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's going to turn around and say Khabib was never my friend. He wasn't giving good wrestling mm-hmm. advice. Um, a classic sort of Dana line. Um, so a few a few good uh, fights there. Obviously, the Yanez KOs we said predicted right here in the Across Pond MMA podcast. Uh, I did see the Dawson one. Um, and it was wild because it was they were 10 seconds away from it going to the scorecards. Right. And um Santos, did you see it? Santos was on his back. I, I yep. sent you a voice note about it. Yeah. And he um like sort of feet on the hips and uh Dawson sort of got past the guard and just started laying down like hammer fists um right. just unanswered. Um it was a very good stoppage. Four minutes fifty-nine of round three. Um so that was a very, a very good KO by by Grant Dawson. Absolutely. Um, so would you like? Will, will we do our, our top ten now, or will we? Do you want to break down two six? Yeah. No. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into that top ten. We'll fly through these, and then we'll get those. Uh, what we know our audience is tuning in for. That insight of what's coming up uh, tomorrow. Absolutely. Exactly. We have to keep yes, them waiting. Today, so technically, for you, right? It is twelve twenty six. Yeah. So it's on, a day on fight, fight day. day. Um, sort of a last minute. We were going to record this. In, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 hours time, but mm-hmm. I got I got the call late notice. I stepped in. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it was I don't know, it's just one of those things. Um so shout out to the Severe MMA podcast, um, who do this. Uh, I was telling you, they do the team thing where they, you know, they pick the guys on their team. This is sort of where the idea comes from. So we're not picking the best guys in the world or our favorite highly ranked fighters as such, but this is just a sort of a list of I don't know, 10 fighters that we are sort of big fans of is is there anything <laughs> we were talking a wee bit earlier is there anything on my list that you want to try and predict that you know you yeah. think i'll have in there justin gaethje conor mcgregor um okay yeah obvious but yeah yeah those ones are obvious too let's see colby covington so the covington one's an interesting one for me because you know, you know that one of my favorite fights ever is the fight you were at, Usman Covington. Mm-hmm. Um, but just recently, I have taken such a liking to Usman. The thing mm-hmm. about it is, Covington for me, I think he's great for the sport because he's so polarizing. But in terms mm-hmm. of how Usman conducts himself over Covington, I don't dislike Colby, but I just prefer Usman. And I think mm-hmm. he is the superior fighter. And as I said, that, that show, uh, UFC, I think it was 245, really really showed that I think a rematch would go probably something similar. It's always going to be a close fight, but to me, Usman has the upper hand. So yeah, Colby, he's sort of, for me, there, thereabouts. I I love him as a fighter, uh, but, you know, on a a short list like this of 10, uh, he's just outside and Usman is uh, in his place. Usman is on the list? Usman is on the list, yes, I can confirm. That's that's another one I predicted. Um, Let's see, who else would you have on there? Not really much of a classic guy. You don't. You're not supporting the dominant cruises. The U.S. I like Don. Don. Don crossed my mind. I do like Don. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's one you're missing. There's like one that's like right there that I just I just cannot believe was like it should have been Connor and then this guy. Go ahead, fire away, Mickey Gall. Duh, yeah. I just don't even count him as like a first oh, name to cross my mind. I, no disrespect for Mickey Gall. It's just I think the last fight he had was a loss to Mike Perry. Am I correct? It was, yeah. So that's not, he's just not exactly fresh on my mind, you know. It's all right, you know. He's he'll build himself back up and he'll uh, get that that title shot um, hopefully very soon. Um, I'll run you through. <laughs> What's up? Just remembered one of mine. Just remembered one of mine. Okay, uh, I, I'll cover for you. I let you. Uh, I let you add that in, but I will run through the rest of my list. So. Billy rightfully did pick Conor McGregor. Um, no points there for that one. Um, Gaethje is on there. Usman, Mickey Gall. Then I have Cody, um, who I presume would be ranked one or two on your list. Um, Uros Medic is a, a new inch. Well, you know. Um, wow. Already. Absolutely. He's one to root for. But I mean, when you get a guy so early on in his career like that, um, right. 
got to stick him in because then I'll uh, definitely take credit for what he's doing. Uh, has to be done. Uh, Benil Dariush. Wow. The man. Really? Yeah, he's wow. in there. Just, uh, I mean, the Drakner close fight just sort of solidified my opinion of him. Like, he's just a, a stud um, and will break it down closer to the time, but I think he's going to give Tony Ferguson a world of problems. Um, the rest of the list, Shane Burgos, you can never have a uh, a bad night watching uh, Burgos. Uh, Josh Emmett as well. Josh Emmett, exactly. Sugar Sean and a, a relatively new entrant, but I think a really good pick, Brandon Royval. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I was, a big, interesting. I was a big fan of his before the Kai Kara France fight. But I mean, that sort of solidified what I already knew oh, yeah. about him. He's probably the most entertaining flyweight, apart from maybe Figueredo. So I'm trying to think what what you'll have in there. So Max is, I mean, is a given. Mm-hmm. Cody is a given. And mm-hmm. um, goodness, Izzy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Connor. Um, mm-hmm. Did I say Justin? No, and he's not in there. He's not in there. He's not in there. Is Sean in there? O'Malley, no. Well, uh, there is a Sean in there. It's not O'Malley. Sean Shelby. <laughs> yep. No, no. <laughs> is this what is this Sean? Who's this Sean that I can't think of? You're not gonna think of him. All right, okay. You, you I, like I'll sit here just in silence and think to myself, you're gonna have to put me put me out of my misery. Okay. Um, so it goes Cody. Mm-hmm. Max, Connor, Darren Till, okay, Kevin Holland, Leon as well. I remember Kevin Holland, Izzy. This is the one that I feel like he should be in everyone's list. Paul Felder, okay, yeah, yeah, should Let's be in everyone's it. top ten. Um, Dustin Poirier, yeah, Sean Woodson. Uh, no, I should have got that. I should have got really? that one. Yeah, I should have had one. Big Sean Woodson fan. Big Sean Woodson fan. He had a little upset in his last performance, but I can't wait for him to get back. And then we've got Francis sliding in at 10, and I'm guaranteeing you there's recency bias there. It's because I'm excited. <laughs> I, if you would have asked me before this fight was right around the corner, I probably wouldn't have said Francis. But I am a big Francis fan. I think what he brings is just so different from what we've seen him like mma in a long long time just that one guy who it's like you're on pins and needles you're like on the edge of your seat every single time he's throwing a punch so really exciting this is a great segue billy into the fight happening tonight um, mm-hmm. <laughs> on saturday the 27th heavyweight title fight steve miocic versus francis Nganu. is there any way that this can play out that doesn't involve an Nganu ko in round one or a steep a decision yeah for sure what do you see? Uh, well, how, sure. how, yeah. What else can you see happening? I know you said you can definitely see an Nganu KO, but what? How, are, uh, how else could it play out? Two to like differ from what you just said. The two ways that I could see it play out is it would need to be a change of kind of like uh, mentality for Francis. Obviously, he's been getting guys out of there, and I actually think this. See, this is where it sounds crazy. I actually think that's his recipe for success on this one: getting Stipe out of there quicker, as most people would say. But I think it's more um, even on a further level than just like if it lasts two rounds, Francis isn't going to win. Because this is the stigma that everyone always gives in one of these fights. It's like with Connor and Dustin, with Connor and Cowboy. It's always like, oh, well, if it's in the first two, it's Connor. If it's after the, those, everyone always says this. And yeah. with the Poirier fight, it was the exact opposite. So I think, in contrary to what you said, I think it could be Stipe um, using his wrestling and ground and pound and getting Francis out there. I mean, he did that with Alistar. I know Francis has got to have been working on um, his grappling heavily. Also, here's the other thing, and this would be a change of mentality and game plan by Francis. A more patient Francis Ngannou, but selective in his shots. And I don't like this mentality for him because you saw what he did against Roizenstrike. He's thrown from his hips and still knocks people out. Yeah. So I don't necessarily want to see – like because obviously his other example is the Derek Lewis fight where he's just way too patient. If he finds middle ground in there, it could be a long, long night for Stipe. Any try- time he tries to close the distance, he's eating power shots. But I do agree. I think the most likely outcome is a first round knockout. I don't actually see a five round decision again um, by Stipe. I think there's a lot of variables here. 
my first question is, you know, Stipe now, 38 years of age. I'm trying to think, did they fight the first time three years ago? Or 2018. Three. Um, you know, so the age is racking up for Stipe. Also, he's gone, what, 10, 11 rounds with DC since he fought Francis the first time. What does that do to your chin? You know, right. DC is he's a pretty hard hitter. You know, it's it's and knocked him out in the first fight. I was there. Um, second fight, DC was winning until those body shots. And third right, third, uh, third fight, sorry, was back and forth. Um, probably one of the classic uh, heavyweight title fights of all time. Um, the other thing is technically how much better has Francis got? And the problem is we don't have enough tape on him to really make this um, assumption. I saw a post uh, my boy Kamaru Uzma made yesterday that basically, is, is Francis in elevation? Is, is he fighting at elevation at the minute? Yeah, and do you know Usman's cornering him? Okay. And Trevor? No, no, no. So sorry. Francis is, um, what's the gym in Vegas? Extreme Couture? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Francis is there and Usman is cornering him. So, yeah, just as I said, my thing about this is, the real sticking, well, the two sticking points for me are Stipe's chin and how much better Francis has got technically. Striking-wise, like, I mean, anyone can get caught. Um, you know, and Francis throws his big sort of looping bombs, as you said, you know, the Rosen strike fight sort of coming from the hips. Anyone can get clipped with those. Do I think Stipe technically is one of the best guys in any division that could not get hit with him? Yeah, I would say so. He can, but it's like Francis has to get lucky once. And that's sort of, and that was the whole thing coming into the first fight. And it's sort of like, if Francis can counter Stipe's strengths, as we said, you know, wrestling is the big discrepancy there, that will give mm-hmm. him more opportunities to sort of get lucky. Um, but maybe it's not luck. That's sort of discrediting what Francis does. You know, he's gotten out, uh, you know, he's KO'd some of the greatest heavyweights ever. And, um, you know, Overeem, JDS, and... Um, I don't think the Rosenstroke is one of the greatest heavyweights ever. But, yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's KO'd some of Kane? Kane, yeah. That was, that was a, a weird one. Um, right. I, that, that one, though, that one is interesting to me because the shot is what caused the injury. It wasn't just his knee blew out. So That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the shot was uh, it was a hard one. Uh, for me, I, like I know, like, are you going to pick Nganu KO? Is that sort of yeah. where so your head's at? My headline right here, right now, is... Um, <laughs> the ufc has their new draw oh okay francis and is the one who's going to sell pay-per-views and it doesn't have to be like obviously connor's been the biggest draw i think francis visibly and like stylistically is the most entertaining fighter in the ufc not necessarily obviously the talk to back it up but i think he's just one of those guys where if you're putting him in whatever the dimensions are, if you're putting him in a caged octagon, people will pay to see that man fight. Six foot four, 263 pounds of straight muscle, one punch knockout power. He's very marketable as well. Like, you know, exactly. you see a lot of stuff on sort of YouTube and Instagram. Like, he's a, a fantastic story. Um, but not only that, you know, he's maybe not the, uh, the greatest guy on the mic, but he's one of these guys. And I think they're quite rare in terms of, just their fighting does the talking. People will just come and watch them or they'll, they'll buy the pay-per-view just to see him aura. fight. He has an aura of a real heavyweight around him too. Stipe, he was never, never like necessarily as marketable because he's 235 pounds. He doesn't look the – if you're walking past him in the street, he looks like a big guy. He doesn't look like someone you're intimidated of. Francis Ngannou walks past you, you are intimidated. Yeah. And so I think this is exactly what the UFC needs. I think it's – he is – can make so much money for them because he's already this is the crazy part after he wins this you got the Derek lewis fight and then apart from that who who's really gonna the Derek lewis rematch because Derek won the first one there's not much there for him and that's crazy to say for someone who's coming into a title fight obviously a trilogy with stipe would be the answer but uh but yeah i think the ufc's got one here well it depends you know obviously dana had said that the winner fights jones and i think it really depends how it goes down if Miocic grinds out a five round decision he'll fight John Jones mm-hmm. if Nganu clips him in round one and knocks him spark out they probably go a third time to be honest with you but it's sort of like does Jones want to wait around you know do you just 
do you just jump in and make Nganu Jones win? Nganu's just knocked out the greatest heavyweight ever. Jones is like on the sidelines. He's sort of in a weird time frame where like he's been training and bulking up and it's sort of, it's not time for him to fight. I, I think, I think what happens there is say Francis does win and it's an, uh, if Francis wins by knockout, it's a devastating knockout. Francis mm-hmm. doesn't have, like, you rarely see ground and pound with Francis, honestly. So, um, I think what would happen is Francis would take minimal damage. You turn around, you get that John Jones fight scheduled. Stipe obviously gets a shot at the winner, unless it's a crazy entertaining contest. Um, I, as sad as it seems to be, and I don't think Stipe is that marketable, like I mentioned, I think the title moves on if Francis wins this. The mm. trilogy is like, as a purist, as an MMA fan, you want to see that. But when John Jones is waiting is on the sidelines, you can feed him Derek Lewis. And I would like to see a tune-up fight for John Jones and heavyweight just so he can get used to his body a little bit. But at the end of the day, what sells the most pay-per-views is John Jones versus this monster of Francis Ngannou, who everyone's just going to have seen coming off a massive knockout. Yeah, it would be a, a huge fight. Um, mm. So hopefully down the line, maybe that's something that will be made. I don't know. Like I'm really torn. I was speaking to someone earlier about this. I'm so torn about this fight. You know, it's, it's even money, basically, odds-wise. But whatever mm-hmm. happens, it will be so one-sided. The problem is I can't decide which side it's going to go. It's either going to be, well, you know, maybe it's too simplistic to break it down, but I just think Stipe will maybe pick him apart from the outside and mix in the takedowns. Maybe Francis will get up a little bit easier than before, but just sort of wear on him. Um, or Ngannou is just going to clip him and wobble him early. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those ones. Initially, I was saying, I think Francis maybe technically hasn't improved enough to beat someone as good as Stipe Miocic, but you, you, you didn't like that one, did you? No, no. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, just saw, no I just saw the hang about it. Oh, no, he's not happy with that one. No, no. Um, but I don't know. Uh, and sort of what you were putting across about uh, Francis's, you know, KO power and obviously what he's done recently, it's, yeah. But then the problem is it was sort of like in the first fight, it was difficult to see Stipe not getting clipped by it. And I remember the first round of that fight is some of the most on edge I've ever been watching a mm-hmm. fight. It was so intense. And this is what's so exciting about this fight. It's just no one knows what's going to yeah, happen. A, but that, that's also a testament to the aura of what Francis brings. There's Stipe fights where you're not necessarily sitting on your edge like that. Stipe that's is an entertaining same. fighter. But any fight Francis Ngannou has been after we figured out what he was, maybe two fights into the UFC, you're on the edge of your seat watching it. I remember watching the JDS one, which was a while ago now, probably two and a half years ago now. And the second it started, I, I had I, like, I had to do something like run to the restroom and I wouldn't just cause I was like this thing, you don't want to miss a second. That's how every Francis fight is. And that's why I think he's such a marketable um, heavyweight champion for the UFC. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to come back to it. I'm, I'm so torn. Like I just, as I said, it's, I think it's going to be dominant either way, but I just, I, I want to, you know, I liked Stipe. He's, as we said, the greatest heavyweight ever, um, which pains me to say as a big fan of DC, but these things happen. Um, I do sort of feel Francis is coming into a time frame where it just feels right for him to win the belt. And, you know, if, if he knocked Stipe out the first time, it would have been just all a bit too easy for him. Now he'd faced some adversity, you know, took a while to sort of find his groove again. Obviously, the Derek Lewis fight, not the most exciting fight I've ever been in attendance of. Um, sort of the crowds flashing their torches was a little more interesting. Um, but I don't know. You, I think you've maybe swayed me. Uh, I think I'll pick Ngannou now, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, but as I said, it's such a toss-up. Anything happening here would surprise me apart from uh, Francis Ngannou's submission. <laughs> so I'll I'm not you. a... I'm not a big John Jones fan, but as a lot of people aren't, but I think this is one of the times where I've been extremely thankful for John Jones because if Stipe wins this fight and beaten Francis Ngannou twice, Francis Ngannou has beaten everyone in the division twice, it feels like. So there would be nothing left for Stipe. DC's gone. He's beaten Francis twice. Do, do you fight Derek Lewis? Does anyone really think Derek Lewis beats Stipe? So I think it's perfect timing for John if Stipe were to win. It's perfect timing for John to come in because, hey, that's your one and last challenge. You beat John, you retire. And then mm. you've got a claim for the greatest of all time. You really do. 
I did see a lot of that this week in terms of, you know, if Stipe beats Ngannou again, then fights John Jones, he would have a claim to the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Again, when I, I do like talking about variables. I do think there are variables in there in terms of, well, people will say, if he goes on to beat Jones, well, if you look at, you know, Jones's last sort of two fights, he didn't look sort of as good against, what, Santos and Reyes. Then sort of, if Stipe beats him, it sort of confirms that he wasn't sort of where he was in his prime. That's but, fair. But, um, I don't know. I, I think Stipe is probably one of the most underrated fighters ever in terms of people just don't give him, I think, the credit that he deserves just for how good Absolutely. he is in historically the hardest division to hold the belt for any length of time. Right. Um, so, I mean, props to him. So, it's one of those things. We'll see what happens. My worry is, you know, so say Mio just wins, he fights Jones, whatever happens there is, it's what happens after that. Sure, you've got Ngannou. But if Ngannou wins here and then he fights Jones after that, what does he do? Do you know what I mean? It's like, who who is there? And then, you know, you've his buddy Cyril Gann and it's like, what's going to happen mm-hmm. there? It's, it's, I think it's a, it, it's a tricky situation at heavyweight with just, it feels like a lack of depth. I, I think by that time, there's a long enough time frame where someone will have like established themselves. If Gann gets a win over Derek Lewis, he's in for a shout. Um, Aspinall is coming up, doing better. I think the heavyweights actually have some prospects now, which they never usually do. So mm. we'll see what happens. It is definitely um, turning into a more exciting time for heavyweight MMA. Um, you know, historically, the belt doesn't get uh, challenged uh, too often in the year. Uh, so hopefully uh, it becomes a little more of a frequent occurrence. So this week on Crossroads MMA, the uh, our new favorite segment, where just each card, there seems to be someone fighting in a crossroads fight. We have Tyron T. Wood, the best mm-hmm. rapper in America, against um, Vicente Luque. And I looked at the lines for this yesterday. Sorry, two days ago, because of course it is quarter to one on Saturday morning. Um, and Woodley was plus two, I think some places is, as a long as plus 250. Um, and today it sort of closed up. Some bookies were offering sort of plus 195. You know, I think Woodley here as a dog makes sense but i like the line in terms of i will be picking woodley to win this fight i think you know sure he got wrestled for the last 15 rounds straight or whatever it was wasn't it It was usman colby and then gilbert burns and uh, i think burns was the one that mixed it up a little bit more and give him more problems sort of in all of mixed martial arts um but stylistically this is a good fight for him if there's a lot of wrestling here i think it'll be woodley initiating um, you know, Luke is a powerful puncher. I don't think he's the most technical boxer in the world. I think as far as crossroads fight goes in terms of, you know, where Luke is in the, in the division, this is probably one of the better ones he could have got. Do you agree? There. Yeah. So this fight to me is um, it's one of those where you have to pick up what you've seen. Right. And so in Woodley's last, is it three or four fights now? You haven't seen anything. So there's, there's no suggestion I have to go towards picking Woodley. Obviously, you want to pick him because of who he was. I look at who he is now, and I think he's a shadow of himself. I think the division's caught up to him. The crazy thing is he was always big and had that powerful punch. Now he doesn't throw that powerful punch. And honestly, I don't know what it is. He doesn't look too big as a welterweight anymore. I remember there used to be talks about him moving up to middleweight. And he, I, I specifically mentioned, remember him mentioning some of the middleweights that he had fought and saying like, yeah, that's always division he has his eye on. Honestly, to me, some of these lightweights look the same size and then he's more, he's really leaned up. And I think it's done a lot for not necessarily even his confidence, but just like being in there, not being the intimidating man he was. I think Luke is a silent assassin and I think he comes and gets the job done. Ooh, bold statement there. Yeah, and I, I think Woodley sort of by decision for me is a sensible pick in terms of where I'm coming at the the argument. Uh, that's sort of where my mind frame is, you know, with a lot of these things in terms of what we've seen recently of Woodley, um, it would not surprise me if he got dominated for three rounds, just because, as we said, he is the ghost of Tyron Woodley. Right. And, and you know, what you said is fair there. With it being three rounds a Woodley decision is much less likely than if it were to be five rounds five rounds I'm picking Luke all day of the week but I think with it being three round fight Woodley has to show that urgency and actually just just you bringing that up might have swayed my decision a little bit because three rounds you can't hold punches 
yeah. five rounds, you can wait for those championship rounds to try to take advantage, which has looked like what Tyron's done in his last um, last three or four fights now. So this is his first fight in, I want to say, what, six or seven fights? It's not a five-rounder. So it that's be. it. It's an interesting thing to know, and you got to think mentality-wise. He knows he's got to start all gas, but does kind of play into Luke's game plan. So that that fight, actually, now that you mentioned it, only being a three-rounder, I just picture Woodley being in a five-rounder. Um, does make it a little more interesting. Three rounds, I think it's. I would go about a pick'em. I would edge Luke just because of what I've seen, but I like to think that Woodley has three rounds in him, and he's not going to just hold his punches again. If Woodley holds his punches again and he doesn't outstrike, like, at least throw, I, I don't know if I want to see another Woodley fight. Hmm. I'm just having a look here to see when his last three-round fight was. It was. It looks to be against Kelvin Gastelum at UFC 183 on the 31st of January 2015. Um, 2015. 2015, because obviously after that, his next fight was the title fight which was weird, actually, if we look historically. He sat on the shelf for 18 months and got a shot at uh, Robbie Lawler, which seems a bit strange. Well, um, Robbie Lawler was the interim, right? Was it St. Pierre that was in and out? It's a little bit early for my time, I think. This is sort of when I, this is when I, was, sort of, when I was sort of starting to, uh, to watch it. Um, yeah, quite I a believe lot. That's, that's what the case was. I believe it was... Um... St. Pierre and then Lawler won the interim. I want to say against not not Hendricks. Now surely that was the um or was that for the interim? Did he not did he not fight for the belt against Robbie McDonald? Or am I making that up? Was that a five rounder? Yeah, it was a five rounder. One of the best fights well, of all could time. Have been an event. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. So no, it was um he won it against Johnny Hendricks. Yep. Robbie Lawler won it against Johnny Hendricks, then defended it against Rory McDonald, defended it against Carlos, Carlos Condit. Condit. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then lost it to Woodley. There we Interesting. go. Interesting. Bit of a history lesson for, uh, for the listeners. Um, I just think it, with Luke, you know, if we look at, um, you know, and there's another thing actually on your list, your top 10 list did not have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. It almost did. It almost, almost did. Because I was just about to say, when we look at sort of Luke, you know, okay, sure, um, around this time last year, he put a beating on Nico Price, I believe. Um, but before that, when he fought Wonderboy Thompson, you know, uh, one of the most technical fighters in MMA, mm-hmm. um, you know, he got absolutely demolished. And mm-hmm. you at the time called that, you know, as sure as the sun was going to come up the next day, you know, Wonderboy Thompson was going to win that fight. I just yeah, think if, if, if Woodley shows up even half, it, half the for me was sort of at his peak, you know, sort of around the Wonder Boy fights. You know, I always said around that time he was the best game planner in all of MMA. If he can show any of that sort of form and not be the entire ghost of Tyron Woodley, this is a very winnable fight for him. And I do like him as a two to one dog here. So I so, will. Yeah, the, the last the last thing I'll I'll say to close out on the Woodley is um, I want to point out the fact that when was the last time that you saw him look good. What was the last fight that he looked good in? And this is what I think is alarming. Is it Wonderboy 1? The, the draw. The first one, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he drew the fight the last time he looked good. So then you've got the Wonderboy Actually, rematch. he looked good against Darren Till, to be fair. He threw, I think it was six punches. I could be wrong there. He looked quite good. Yeah, I mean, his, his grappling looked good. I would love to see the striking stats on that because I specifically remember watching this and I was thinking to myself, wow, this is not a champion. He's just standing here, bouncing around the outside, not engaging, not starting anything. And then Till just went in with that sloppy right uppercut and to his left hand. And so I was not impressed by him in the slightest there. I thought it was, he landed a clean shot, but to go into the second round with someone as young and as green as Till and you have attempted, I think it was like six or seven punches. That, that doesn't impress me. That doesn't mm. impress me at all. So that, that's my point. I have not been impressed by him since it's been six years now. So, six years, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why I, just, I don't feel like I can confidently bet on him. But I do think it being three rounds plays into his favor because if we're going to see any chance of Woodley becoming or being, like you said, half of himself, 
the volume has to be included. It cannot mm. be just bounced around the outside, especially not with Vicente Luca. Well, I hope I can believe some of the things I've been hearing about him and reading in terms of, um, you know, he's got that sort of fire back, you know, sort of. I've heard it for the last four fights. Yeah. I heard it, especially for the Colby one. He said, he said, this one's personal. He was like, I don't have to try to get myself motivated. I already have the motivation I need. And then it was same old Woodley. Well, as I said, because this is Crossroads MMA, this is do or die. This like, For his career, this is, you know, make or break. Um, the last sort of big fight uh, on the card then is our boy Sugar Sean against Thomas Almeida. You know, the, the odds are very, very flattering to Sean O'Malley, sort of minus 350. Mm-hmm. Thomas Almeida is probably one of the most underrated guys. He hasn't fought a lot recently. I thought, did he lose his last one? Because I thought the same thing. I thought he was very underrated. And then I think I remember him coming out and looking flat in his last fight. So he lost to Jonathan Martinez. Before that, it got slept by Davy Grant, right? Yes, that is true. Um, And then Rob Font. Rob Font, who's looked very, that's not too bad. He's Mm -hmm. looked, he's looked very good recently. And Jimmy Rivera, but back who's lost Jim- his last three? Wow! Back when Jimmy Rivera was um, in a bit of form, and then his first loss was to our boy Cody Garber. Oh, yeah. um, so has he lost his last four fights? No, he beat Al- Albert Morales in between the um, the Garbrandt and Rivera uh, Rivera fights. No disrespect, but. One win in the last four fights and is to Mr. Morales, we said. <laughs> no disrespect to Mr. Morales, but I'm not exactly convinced you should even be negative. It, it should be less than negative 350 for O'Malley. If you, you're fighting someone with one win in his last four fights, five fights, and that win is against Mr. Morales. So here's the thing, and I don't know if it's on sort of, Almeida's side and I am a little bit concerned and I was speaking to someone earlier about this about the amount of times Sean is going to get a leg injury in terms of Mm -hmm. he fought a full round against Sukumtath you know Mm -hmm. five fights ago on one leg then Marlon Ver whatever it was I still have no idea what it was whether he rolled his foot or he had a calf kick there was some nerve issue where his foot just didn't want to work anymore Mm -hmm. the problem is when your sample size is so small, like what, five mm-hmm. fights, and two of them you've had to fight partially on one leg. Very fair. That is not something you like to see. And I just worry about, you know, fair enough, something happens once like that. But, you know, it seems weird to me that you eat a leg kick and your leg just, you know, your foot just doesn't work. Um, so, and, you know, like the Wineland fight, he just came out and knocked him out. The uh, fight before that, and um, was also a quick knockout um, you know so y- you never know the same thing could happen there had it gone on a little bit longer I am just uh, before I you know I'm obviously a big fan of Sean and I'm you know well on the hype train and um, not like sort of D- DC you know he likes to be the conductor sort of <laughs> um, but you know I- I'm aboard but I'm just a little apprehensive in terms of sure you know you said he's Almeida's lost four out of his last five a lot of them have been to very good competition mm-hmm. so i think that sort of factors in there as well i know you said he didn't look great last time out but then on the flip side of the coin the factors with sean um, are well he's not short on confidence that's not a problem but the problem for me with the leg injuries and just the frequency that they seem to be occurring mm-hmm. um, is sort of raising a couple of flags and maybe it probably won't be a problem in this fight but just sort of down the line it's like when's it gonna happen again and it might happen on a bigger stage than this one and Mm -hmm. so it's just i don't know is that something you you thought about or is that no it's a great point it really is um you don't want to see like a fighter have a blatant vice like that and i feel like if i mean like you said small sample size like we don't have the confidence right now to be able to say that he does have the durability to last in these big fights so and like you said leg injuries both times i mean we've seen how many cody garbrandt fights we've seen how many kamar usman fights we've seen how many colby covington fights 
I don't remember any of those like elite guys to have like a crippling vice like that. Like, oh, his leg injury again. Nope, leg injury again. And those are larger sample sizes. So yeah, I, I definitely think it's something to keep an eye on. Um, I think obviously if it doesn't happen again, I think the ceiling there, I mean, there's no potential on, or there's no cap to the potential that he has yeah. striking wise. We still don't know his grappling, but I think he's an exciting addition to the bantamweight division um, bearing the fact that he doesn't continue with this injury. I think from memory, I don't know what fight it was. I think he's a pretty quick scrambler as well. I know, as you said, you know, he doesn't have a lot of sort of a grappling tip, um, but you know, his speed sort of plays into his advantage in terms of, you know, he's going to be pretty quick. Uh, he's pretty quick at sort of getting out of that sort of range if someone would try and shoot on him. Um, but I don't know, like, it's one of those things, you know, if you think about Connor and the leg kicks, and, you know, we talked extensively on this mm-hmm. show about um, Connor and the calf kicks. Um, that was almost a calf kicking special that time. Um, but that's one of those things where you sort of think, like, if he checks those, he would be fine. But I'm not convinced if Sean O'Malley checked calf kicks, right. that his leg would be fine. It just feels different in terms of, I don't know, that, that fight against Marlon Vera, I didn't really even see what happened when I watched well, that. That's exactly what it is. There's no identifying, like, oh, that's going to start hurting him. You know, with the Connor, we had seen this gradually come on. A lot of times with calf kicks, like off the top of my head, I can't remember who it was, but Jeremy Stevens landing calf kicks, I believe on Gilbert Melendez. That was, to me, that was one of the origins of like how the calf kick came to like real fruition. Mm -hmm. And that one, like you could see it coming. You could see, oh, this is really going to be a problem. He really has to address this. With the O'Malley ones, it's kind of like, oh, oh, does, does he have an injury? You know, like it's not identifiable. And I think that's what makes you a little bit more uncertain is the fact that we're not recognizing, hey, he just ate that one bad. He's not going to be able to keep moving. Like, he's got to start checking these. It's kind of just like, oh, he's hurt. Oh, he's, he's injured now. So I think that's a fair assessment by you. It's setting up to be a great night of fights. You know, we've talked extensively here for, I don't know, the last 25 minutes or so about these top three fights. And we looked at, you know, a lot of potential ways it could play out. And for my money, Maybe apart from Almeida, maybe we're, we're giving him a little too much credit, but any of the six there in my eyes can sort of win, win those fights. I think obviously, you know, as we said, it would be O'Malley's vices that would let him down if he were to, mm-hmm. to fall short this time. Uh, but, you know, we've seen stranger things happen. Um, so it's an exciting card. Um, just other things. The first I've... two fights on this card are ones for those Europe fans, you guys. Earlier in the day, those are ones for you to catch. Those those two fights that open the card will be very entertaining fights. Earlier in the day at eleven thirty p.m. Exactly, exactly. For <laughs> me, it's probably what five, it's six thirty. Jeepers! So. You'll just have had your lunch. Um, mm-hmm. This is this uh, Abu. Is it Azatar? That's the guy that got cut, wasn't it? And then they they allowed him back in. He he was meant to fight on Fight Island. I don't know. That was the. Uh, very similar name, very similar name. Is it? But yeah, that guy was a oh, one thirty-five. Yeah, Altman is Atar. Sorry, same yeah. name. Yeah, um, that guy was a lower weight class. Um, this one is this fight's one eighty-five or two hundred five, I believe. One eighty-five. Yeah. Yep. And both of these guys are entertaining fighters, as far as I've seen. Benoit. Every time I've watched him fight, it's been an entertaining fight to say the least. Um, and so I think that'll be a good one. Odds are close on it. Yeah, I agree I, with that. To pick him, I think, yeah, or yeah. near there, thereabouts. Shane Young, Omar Morales. I think Omar Morales will win that, but I think Shane Young always comes to put on a show, always going to be entertaining. So that's another one to keep your he's eye on. He's the guy out of City Kickboxing, isn't he? Shane he's, Young. So he, yes, he does his camps there, but he also trains full-time with Volkanovski because Volkanovski does his camps at City as well. Okay. Yeah, he's exciting. I remember he was fighting on that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what card was Auckland. it? Auckland. Yes, uh, the one that Cara France and Roy Val was on. Mm-hmm. That should have been the main event. Um, but sure, these things happen. It, it, mm-hmm. You were saying you were saying about uh, the Europe fans. Well, one for the Europe fans is the fight after that. Modestus Bukowskis, mm-hmm. Cage Warriors uh, alumni, um, fighting. Oh, jeepers! I'm not even trying to pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Modestus has fought twice so far. He had a, a KO win over, yeah, again, I'm not trying to pronounce that. And then a, a KO loss to Jimmy Crute. So one on one in the UFC. This, um, 
seems a little more favourable. Jimmy Crute was a was a. Both of these guys lost to Jimmy Crute. Um, I believe so. Yeah, because I remember I thought that um, the other fella after he landed a beautiful body shot knockout to Jean Vellante, mm-hmm. I thought the other fella was going to be a good, good addition to the UFC. I always thought he did not look like a middleweight, but um, yeah, I thought he was going to be a good addition. And then I remember him against Jimmy Crew. I thought that was a tough and kind of didn't make sense fight for Jimmy Crew because no one really knows this guy and Crew's been racking up some wins. But yeah, I, if I remember right, Crew subbed him. Yeah, it was a sub. Yeah, yeah, spot on. You're good, actually, Billy, with the, the old memory of these things. You, you remember these very pernickety details of very random fights. I know. <laughs> there was something earlier, and you, oh, I don't know. It was um that guy on the rankings. You remembered? You remembered who he'd fought? Tyson Nam. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just remembered the face because they said that he was a kickboxer. And so I was like, okay, this will be a good one. And then I remember as his debut, short notice, 125 short notice fight, to say the least. And uh, yeah, Nam caught him with that overhand right. I actually remember Nam's post-fight interview too. He said, they keep counting this old guy out and they keep feeding him to the young guns, but this old guy's got a lot of fight left in him. I think I do. Was it like, was it a vicious knockout? I think I remember yes. that. Like it yeah, was Florida. Florida. I believe yeah. it was when the guy was throwing a calf kick and then Nam just caught him with an overhand right if I remember correctly. So I think we're building up segments of this show. So we have Crossroads MMA. And hopefully we have a Crossroads fight next week. Headlines. We need headlines. Headlines MMA. You've, um, got to, you've got to give me your headline for this card. We'll get to that as a closing statement. And mm-hmm. then we have inside the acute memory of Billy Johnson. So we'll have to right. pick that up next week and sort of test your knowledge of just some random part of uh, the UFC or MMA in general. Um. There's nothing else really sticking out to me here as I sort of scroll through that. Obviously, the name Abu Bakar and the Magomedov sort of sticks out as something to watch. He's actually uh, fighting someone who trains at a gym um, 30 minutes from my house. Oh, really? Jared, Jared the Night Train Gooden. Interesting. He had a pretty underwhelming debut. Okay. But I, I, a lot of people I know um, like go to the gym and know people who are friends with him. So, okay. Yeah, 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 night train. I just interesting remember. style too. Kind of not necessarily like a traditional boxing stance. It didn't look like the crispest of boxing, but yeah, I was just I was looking up there about uh, the Magomedov. He is uh, Habib's cousin, and I saw a meme during the week, and it was like you know when Dana posts the fight card in like a list, and it was like good and vean the Magomedov, and mm-hmm. it was like oh since Khabib's retirement, it's been a very a very steep fall from grace. He's now on the prelims. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was uh, sure. No, there's like four or five Nurmagomedovs in there. Oh yeah, there's um, is Umar the one in Bellator? Um, I thought Umar was the he was. Oh, did he go to Bellator? Oh, there's U- I think there's Usman the Magomedov as well. Oh, he's the one in Bellator. Usman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Umar, yeah, Umar is the one twenty-five. Said uh, didn't one of them go to the PFL too? I oh, hear we're getting off topic. We'll, we'll talk about right. that next week. <laughs> That'll be the the the, uh, the Magomedo family will be the topic for Billy's acute, <laughs> acute knowledge next week. Um, my headline here is going to be, yeah, I'm gonna go with um Woodley rebounds uh, with decisive decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, I think it's do or die for him, and mm-hmm. you know I. I always enjoyed at his peak how he fought. You know, the first fight against Wonderboy was fantastic. Um, very underrated in terms of when you think of, you know, classic fights, that one you never really hear brought up. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, it was, um, it was very good. Um, but what everyone is here for, Billy, is the collective across the pond MMA one and done picks, as I've now named it on Instagram. Last week, we sort of mm-hmm. bounced around some names. I said Billy's impulse picks. And then I said I would throw one in. These are the rules now to find. It is a collective decision for the Across One MMA podcast for the one and done picks. Um, The way it is so far the last three weeks, it has been fighter and method. First week, I was so confident, as confident as, you know, my phrase is as the sun would rise tomorrow that uh, Urus Medic would win by first round KO. And then obviously you picked Semmelsberger by KO. And then last week we picked Yanez by KO. Um, so 
you sort of lead these things, these uh, these sort of impulse picks. Is there anything you know as you're scarring the card up to? Uh, I don't like that. I don't like that head shake. You know, there's nothing that jumps out to you, right? The mm. one thing I'm gonna have to go with, and this is gut. <sighs> I think it's a little bit to say, right. but I, I mean, we we could go for the main event. We could go for the main card. But I, I want to I wanna give the fans something they might not have known themselves. So let me do just 10 seconds of research. But I've got a guy in mind. Mentioned his fight earlier. Early in the night, you'll be able to catch it. 11.30 p.m. for you. It is going to be – I'm going to have to go with Omar Morales. I thought you would have, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Omar Morales. And I fear, you know – it doesn't you, jump out to me, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say knockout. You fear the? I mean, if I remember correctly, Shane Young's last fight, the knockout was not pretty. Like it was, if I remember correctly, it was mm-hmm. a difficult watch. Or am I mm-hmm. incorrect? I think it felt no. He was quiet. getting really in close into the pocket, exchanging shots, landing the better. It felt quite violent. So, the one and done pick this week. You know, if you have been betting the last three weeks, um. I hope you're enjoying your private jets and your, your swimming pools. Um, that Uros uh, Medic money, uh, as I like to call it. Um, so this week we have Omar Morales by KO is the across pond MMA one and done pick for tomorrow night. Billy, I have no idea how long we've been recording for. I feel like this is a longer podcast than oh, usual. Yeah. I do hope uh, people have enjoyed the waffling. Um, any... I always say this every week. I was listening to a, a podcast. I, I, I like to sometimes sort of rewatch and, you know, see how far we've come in our short four podcast history. But I always right. sort of end with any final remarks, any, any closing statements, uh, if you will. Uh, Nganu, Luke O'Malley. Put them together, parlay them, and run away with your money. You heard it here first, folks. Nganu, Luke O'Malley. You know, I, I don't maybe quite agree. Uh, we can <laughs> we can talk about it uh, when we pick this up next week to preview Tilvatory, and we will retrospectively look back on the great night of fights unfold. Stipe Miocic v. Francis Ngannou. Um, all good folks, right? I do appreciate, as Billy does, uh, support and the listen of this relatively long podcast. Uh, I do hope you enjoyed. Um, we will be back as always next week. And so I appreciate it and we will see you then.